There's this misconception that the CIA is only about thwarting terrorism. Truth is, we're just like any other office. If they're really in a weapons test program, what they will be exposed to is what people want to test now. <laughs> so um, when you talk to victims of the intelligence agencies, you have to mentally prepare yourself that you will be hearing about technology that you might not even know about yet. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grand America Show. We are going to be chatting with Dr. Catherine Horton a little bit later about... Uh, spies and the cia and the intelligence community and their secret weapons and all the harassment bullshit that they're up to which fittingly as uh, lines pretty well with all the the uh wikileaks stuff that's been coming out so that'll be a fun one uh but first as always graham i got nothing all right Thumb good up. that's good <laughs> finally <laughs> nothing so yeah, this intro will be fun. We got some good feedback from our last episode. So I'm going to need people to send me some shit because I got nothing. Sure. Yeah. That's good. Well, the stuff you wrote down in your little notepad there, you must've been pretty baked because you didn't, decided, didn't, even, didn't even resonate with I you. I decided like. it was too mean. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. You must be, I don't know, lightening up a bit or something. Maybe. Better watch that. So yeah, we had some good feedback from the last episode. This intro, like you can skip forward to the interview. There's a timestamp in the show notes, but we ramble on a little bit. We've got some feedback from listeners on the last ET Let's Talk episode, some UFO sightings from listeners, and uh, yeah, little, we'll jibber-jabber about some other stuff. Did you have any C-City practice? No, there's. I'm missing it tonight, actually. Are we allowed to talk about the stuff we said we wouldn't talk about on other episodes? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Okay. Yeah. So we can talk about how the Costa hit it off, because I hate Richard Greer. <laughs> Hate's a pretty strong word there, buddy. You That's just... right. I don't hate him. I just dislike him. Yeah. That's turns fine. out I was pretty uh, spot on with some of my some of your personality, intuition. About intuition yeah. 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 We don't have to get into that. Indians really. have intuition. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Indian tuition. <laughs> so, yeah. Did you get uh, some good feedback too? Or? No, I've been getting all the emails now, though. What do you mean? All the ET oh. Let's Talk emails. Oh, yeah, good. Good, yeah. Yeah. See, I've been getting those. I wonder why you couldn't find me on the map. Because you're not on there. But I get all the emails. So I, I should sign up officially anyways or make sure that I am. But yeah, we had a few uh, few listeners from around uh, the world signing up. Did we get some people to sign up? Yeah. That's good. Yeah. yeah, that's good. Did you sign up yet? No, that's what I was saying. I, I thought I was. I thought yeah, I was. You should. Yeah. Once you sign up, I can sign out. I'm pretty sure I did a long time ago. Maybe I got removed or something. You got kicked out of the group again? That's yeah. like a thing for you, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, buddy. We won't kick you out of Grimerica. Do so you want to start with some feedback on that episode while we're talking about it? Is it jingle-worthy? Uh, sure. Actually, you know what? Let's start with the uh, this is, uh, friend of the show, Felix. Okay. Sent us in some... Uh, Felix spends a lot of time in the chat room. If anybody's interested in meeting him, he'll be there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Check out crimeamerica.ca slash chat. Unless he gets kicked out by Darren. <laughs> don't compare me to the uh, Verizon guy. or Don't don't be comparing me to anyone in the chat. Probably a good way to get kicked out. 
You can just come back in, but uh, it sends a message. I popped in there the other day, and people were asking us if Canuck is an insult. Yeah, I said our, one of our hockey teams is named Canuck. <laughs> we, like, embrace it. Um, hosers. Hosers more, but it's Cheesehead, still, like, whatever. Yeah. Cheesehead. Isn't that, like, a Green Bay Packer thing? Yeah, but I think it's Canadian as well. Huh. I've never heard that. Oh, James. Oh, that's from yesterday. Why is James still going on about a synchro rating from like two years ago? Nobody cares, buddy. It's a seven. Back down to a seven. Uh, okay. Oh, this fucking iPad is driving me crazy right now. Sorry, guys. Where is it? This is what happens when we just... This is just what happens when this happens. Uh, where is it here? Here we go. It's a good vibes jingle, so it should give us some oh, good vibes one. for the show. Yeah. It's a new one, brand new one. I just got it last night. Did you not listen to it? No. I say it's just like how you don't read the synchros, I don't listen to the jingles. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's good. Usually oh, they're unwritten rules. See what we got here. Usually they're against me. If Murray supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. <laughs> 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 Blubbity blah. Blubbity blah. Underneath breaths of deep gratitude and prayers for guidance and protection. And put on a didgeridoo and shamanic drumming track. Shivers or vibrations and stuff like that. Underneath breaths of deep gratitude and prayers for guidance and protection. And put on a didgeridoo and shamanic drumming track. Shivers or vibrations and stuff like that. Underneath breaths of deep gratitude and prayers for guidance and protection. On a didgeridoo and shamanic drumming track, shivers or vibrations and stuff like that. If Maury supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> this is a good like play out outro one. Yeah, I think yeah. it's great. Wow, it's awesome. Yeah. I don't even remember that. I like the blubbity blah. <laughs> he must not remember we any could, of that. You he can must make have a whole song back. just out of the blubbity blah. <laughs> blubbity blah. I think he said there's another version that really extends the blubbity blah. <laughs> I gotta hear the blubbity blah again. Blubbity Good stuff. Thank you, Felix. Yeah, that's good. All right, I'll send some good vibes out to uh, our listener from Vancouver. And this was this was pretty interesting. It hit home for me because uh, he linked to a sighting on YouTube. And you see this craft flying over the city of Vancouver, pretty clear, like going in behind the buildings and stuff. So, we kept saying, you know, what is that? What is that? And it wasn't until after the events happened and it disappeared to the south in the darkness that we went inside. We stayed outside for a couple seconds and we went inside. And she sat on the couch, and I went to the bar, and I sit on a stool, and I took my glasses off, and we stared at each other for 5, 10, 15 minutes, who knows. And I got up, and I wanted to go back outside, and as I grabbed the door, I looked my wife right in the eye, and I said, we just saw our first UFO, and she looked at me back. That's just another jingle, right? So that yeah. has nothing to do with this specific email I was about to read. That, that was, was a good one. Pootie pie. I haven't seen that. I haven't heard that one in a long time. It's on page two. Oh, <laughs> going to get you. <laughs> Make yourself a little more familiar with the jingle board there, buddy. I, Do you have stuff your... doesn't end up on page two by accident. <laughs> okay, so he says, uh, 
This is a link to a YouTube video of a vehicle that I thought I would never see again, and it was very hard to describe. I was at work in my bus. I drive for transit in Vancouver. Darren, remind me to tell you about the transit drivers in Vancouver later. Absolutely. While at the intersection sitting at a red light facing south on Great Canadian Way and Bridgeport Road, I saw this thing coming over the top of Bridgeport Road from my left or the east to my right west. It looked like it popped up from behind the Costco. It was low, just over the power lines, moving slowly, slower than the one in the video that I linked here. And it moved across the top of the fire hall and then over Sea Island Way and arced toward west toward YVR. That's uh, the Vancouver airport. I watched it as it slowly moved across the road in front of us and then behind the newly constructed high-rises at Garden City Road and Sea Island Way. The light turned green and I had to go, but my passengers watched as it reappeared and continued to move toward downtown Vancouver. This was in the daylight hours, a fully loaded bus, and I pointed it out to some of the passengers in earshot. A ton of commercial planes landing and taking off from YVR as usual, but this thing flew low, below the flight line of the airline traffic. We were all gazing at this thing. At least six of us in the front of the bus took notice, each taking a guess as to what it was. Some people said it looked like a huge waterbed mattress. It was odd for sure, but I had to laugh at that one. It was windy outside, but how or who would inflate a waterbed mattress and send it aloft within 33,000 meters of a huge airport? LOL. It had a distortion about it. My assumption is that the distortions about it were the result of a strong rotational, rotating toroidal magnetic field. Wow. Taken into consideration, it was very close, close proximity to trees and high-rise buildings full of concrete and rebar and copper wire and aluminum. To the viewer, the object would appear to be distorted and possibly seem like it was oscillating, waving, or wobbling as if it was... You know, heat distorted or a mirage. That's my guess only. Damn it, Jim. I'm a bus driver, not a starship engineer. It was lifting all kinds of trash up toward the bottom center of itself. The swirling debris included plastic bags and leaves, paper bags, and other junk. This lofting material, before actually making contact with the vehicle, would billow out at its sides and fall down away from the craft and then get sucked up again back toward the vehicle over and over again. To note, this lofting debris rotated counterclockwise at the same speed as the vehicle itself rotated. Interestingly, because it was freakishly windy that day. This thing flew into the wind, taking all the trash with it. I can't tell you what this was. It was a few months ago. There may be a tag in the video that someone can find. I put the whole sighting out of my mind as this was just another thing I've seen. There have been a lot of odd things recently, but I wanted to write you guys anyways and tell you about it after I saw the video, but I'm grateful for the person that posted this video. It has made me happy to be able to see it again and share my experience. On a synchronistic note, Darren, I had forgotten all about this odd sighting until I opened up YouTube one day for shits and giggles and found the heading recommended for you. So I checked it out and there was the flying vehicle I saw. 5.5 5.5 or better. Much love, brothers. That's from Brian. I would have six. <laughs> <laughs> That's better. 6.5. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So so then I, I I watched the YouTube video and it shows this craft flying around the outside of uh, like the city of Vancouver, like right downtown around the buildings. It's pretty crazy. Really? Yeah. I'd like to see that. 
Yeah, I'll show you one day. And then, uh, yeah, bus drivers in uh, in Vancouver, way different than the ones in Calgary. Really? Yeah. If you don't stop, they will hit you. You know, they'll pull. They pull out. They put on their ticker and they pull out. They do not wait for you. In Calgary, they're way more polite. It's very strange. They wait for you to go by, and then in Calgary, they pull out completely different in Vancouver. Really? Yeah. Totally. No, you're aggro. supposed to stop. I know you're supposed to, but I think, yeah. and, but they just, it's, it's like 180 oh, yeah. degrees. Well, that's like the C-Tain drivers here. <clears throat> Buddy said, he's like, if someone walks out in front of me, man, look out. Because <laughs> he's like, you got, you, he said he hit someone before he got six months off paid. Really? Yeah, as long as you need to recover. Wow. He also let me drive the C-Train. While you were partying. While I was partying. Yeah. So he was probably not, you know, the most honest C-Train driver. <laughs> We should hear that. Maybe you should tell us that classic no, story. That's one not, day. No, 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 I'm saving that for my memoirs. <laughs> so yeah, thanks, Bri. I thought I had something else to say about that, but I hope you uh, hope you're driving safe out there, not cutting too many people off, especially buses. So I also got some uh, some feedback from one of our bloggers. So we should talk about our bloggers. We need Ma- a blogger jingle. Yeah, we need a blogger jingle. Matt in the hat slash. Altruzian Grace has, has uh, started up a YouTube video with meditations, and they sound pretty cool, actually. You want to pop over that cord, and I'll I'll let you hear it. Really? Yeah, we should be. Remember your Mac? Because you know, I don't know what it, was, what it is with Mac and audio and fucking audio ports, but they suck at it. They do, yeah, yeah. Fix that shit. What's his name? Tim Cook. When I'm Prime Minister, Welcome things are going to change. Grace Media Channel. You're a sultry voice. <clears throat> you could go on the list of people to replace you if anything ever happens. <laughs> if I get hit by a bus? Not that there's a list. <laughs> or at least not a very long one. Before we begin... It is recommended that you wear headphones as you listen <laughs> and are free from external distractions and activities. So there's a sample. It's awesome. So we're going to try this. He's got uh, he's got a few on the site now. Deep ambient version for synchronicity and subconscious empowerment. Guided meditation for... Oh, I just said that one. Um, what's the other one here? For well, total body consciousness, relaxation, and astral pro- projection. That's right. And Naps, of course, he's been publishing weekly uh, Lost Breads again. Yeah, that's Napoleon. He's got the, he's like one of the best graphic, uh, digital graphic artists. He does all there. the show, show art. Yeah. By the way, if you guys are using the native podcast player, you're missing out on all the episode art. You mean the iTunes native yeah. podcast player? Yeah, it doesn't show it. I know people say they don't care, but if you switched to like an overcast, which is free, you would suddenly care. It's just, it's nice. Yeah. It's sharp. Not a lot of shows do it. There's a couple, but. Big thanks to Nap for doing that every week. And then uh, Justin's got some new blogs up there as well. I know, uh, I'm trying to remember. Someone had put up some. uh, Smells like a teen spirit. (laughs) (laughs) You know, actually Cyrus texted me today because he was in Aberdeen. Washington. Oh, yeah? Yeah, listening to Nirvana. Oh, yeah. Is that where Cobain was? Yeah, that's where he was born. But I don't think... The blog doesn't have anything to do with Cobain. No, I was looking for... Oh, there's the April Fool's one. I got James. 
Yeah. He actually deleted it <laughs> <laughs> off the Facebook because he thought it was inappropriate. Uh, I'm going back. I can't. Oh, there it is. The psychedelic coloring page. Oh, that's Matt in the Hot, too. Yeah. Yeah. So check those out. So do you want me to read his email about the uh, ET Let's Talk episode? Sure. So he says, Graham, I'm not skeptical about the experience or of people having the experience. However, what troubles me a bit is in reference to the interview is this idea that there's a tipping point for the number of people inviting the phenomena. The statement hit me in the gut. Immediately, I thought of vampires and how they need to be invited into your home. They can't just decide to enter. They need your permission. For whatever reason, I don't buy the notion that ET needs mass approval. They want to study energy systems in humans? For what? To feed off them more efficiently? Who knows, but I know there's a lot of speculation about ET being demonic in nature, or that this is a part of Project Bluebeam in advance of the upcoming false flag alien war. And to be fair, there's a lot of, that's a, there's also a lot of positive speculation, but something strikes me about this specifically in a bad way. I myself, I'm myself guilty of attempting to thin the veil even recently. Thanks Jeff Ritzman and Craig Bishop and being somewhat successful. I even signed up for the ET talk website after listening to this episode out of curiosity, but I want anyone doing this to be extremely careful and vigilant while doing this work. We are dealing with something that is truly still beyond our comprehension or understanding. Don't forget that crop circle message. Beware the bearers of false gifts and broken promises. So I, I think I, I owe some people some blogs. Yeah. If, if Darren owes you a blog, don't, don't, uh, don't feel uh, shy and please follow up with that. Yeah, I just keep emailing me until I do it. And you know what else I wanted to mention is that there's a bunch of blogs up there that haven't like posted in like a year or two. And I was thinking about moving them into like an archive just because as I add more blogs, the drop down menu is getting kind of long, you know, and I'm going to add like three to that. So it's just getting kind of long. So, so if there's I'm, blogs I'm that have yeah, me and you are both me and you are both out of here. We're going to go to the archives. Okay. And then uh, I'm not going to name any of them, but you know, if you're still listening to the show and you've got a blog and you just, you know, I'm not. There's not pressure on anyone to blog. Just if you're not planning on doing it, just let me know so I can move them into a okay. into a different menu right. or something. Okay, for sure. So, anyways, I responded to him because I didn't think that the tipping point was about making contact. I thought it was the the sort of cliche tipping point of people waking up, like reaching a different state of consciousness and waking up. So I emailed him that back and he says, I'll have to go back and listen again. When it comes to the UFO thing, I'm by no means take a hard stance on categorizing them. They are definitely black budget technology projects, experimental aircraft, etc. But when it gets tied to personal or group summonings with the consciousness slash intent factor, anything is fair game. This includes natural phenomena, demonic forces, space brothers, tapping the boundaries of a computer generated universe and on and on. We can only be certain of one thing, that nothing is for certain. So while I can absolutely appreciate what these folks are doing, as in a way, I'm doing it myself without any strict protocols, I'm skeptical of any hard statements about soft subjects, especially when it comes to something akin to some type of extraterrestrial agenda. And I don't really think we need any kind of disclosure. 
But like I said, I have to listen again. Maybe I was only hearing it in a way that I wanted to hear it or unintentionally took it out of context. Whatever it was said about a certain percentage of people and a tipping point made me slightly alarmed or concerned. And I had to put the brakes on and question it, at least for myself. Cheers, Matt. Yeah. Matt and the hat. Yeah, well said. Yeah. But oh, I still think, um, yeah, I think it was about uh, elevated consciousness, that kind of thing. Not about specific... Um, intent or a certain percentage of people trying to make contact. So if anybody else, uh, I'd like to hear what other people say, if they have uh, similar thoughts to Matt or myself on that. Word up. <clears throat> All right, buddy. What do you want to get into now? Social media. Oh, sure. You got something? I got a couple. So what do we got? We got one on uh, the original Grammarica Talks to Randall Carlson. Oh, yeah? Wow, great interview. Thank you. This just in on uh, April 21st, 2017. Ancient stone carvings confirm that a comet struck Earth around 11,000 BC, a devastating event which wiped out woolly mammoths and sparked the rise of civilization. Experts at the University of Edinburgh analyzed mysterious symbols carved into stone pillars at Gobekli Tepe in southern Turkey to find out if they could be linked to constellations. The markings suggest that a swarm of comet fragments hit Earth at the exact same time a mini-ice age struck, changing the entire course of human history. That wasn't really human-caused global warming, was it, back then? Doing this again? What? We're going to get into global warming with Randall right on our on. next week's show. Yeah, that'll be good. Um, and it's going to be video, too. First video, real slideshow video. We'll see. well, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, we should watch because these things tend to fall apart. <clears throat> but I'm not going to leave Graham in charge of editing anything this time. So, yeah. So uh, get it what else we got? Months. Three minutes is all I could take of this juvenile, mundane, superficial banter. UFO abduction field is making progress in the 70s, 80s with Mac, Hopkins, and Valet before everybody decide to hang up a UFO expert shingle and cause confusion. What? So, what was that from? That was from episode 165. Which was? Uh, Greg Bishop. Wow. Uh, then we got... So what was his point about the abductions? I don't know. I said we were hoping to get rid of you sooner, but I suppose three minutes isn't bad. <laughs> uh, we got the Earth is Flat and Joni replied, Operator Base, that haunted house that moron lived in. It's flat. What? Yes, I took video. And then he also said, smart blokes. Some smart blokes are a dolphins. Uh, we got, I don't know, it doesn't seem to me that it's very nice to contact ETs to visit the planet you live on when there are other good folks who also live here who might not think that's a very good idea. <laughs> Just saying. Ah, <laughs> uh, bingo bango. Ba 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 bingo bango. Are there any females in Calgary, or do you procreate through bottom sex? Wow. What does that mean? Oh. <laughs> That's it. Wow. It's not bad. Mix, yeah. Mixed basket. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> A little more hate than usual. <laughs> yeah. A little more than usual. That's okay. 
It's funny. So I got a, a little bio-tinkering segment, or you could do like a UFO quote of the week as well. Down and Graham, going deep. It's a profound UFO quote of the week. All right. This is Words to ponder and <laughs> Come on. Okay. <laughs> You like that one too, don't you? I do like that one. Okay, so this is from CIA.gov. Actually, it's kind of appropriate that uh, in this episode later on with Dr. Catherine Horton, we're going to be talking about the one agency, basically the global agency of all agencies connected. But this is from the Central Intelligence Agency, and it's from their e-docs, their library, their e-reading room. And it's uh, from 1952, the French Morocco, French West African. It's about some military sightings. The subject is military unidentified aircraft. So uh, this is, uh, there's a couple different ones in here. Eyewitnesses report saucer over Dakar. That's in July 12th, 52. Um, reports the statement of an eyewitness who claims to observe the flying saucer over Dakar. On July 3rd, 1952, there's a ton of them around the same time frame. According to this account, the object was flat and tapered in shape and issued forth bluish and reddish flames, which they were quite long and barely clearly visible. The other report also says it was moving southward at a great rate of speed and an altitude of 1,500 meters. Uh, this one is seen in Morocco, Casablanca, July 16th, 1952. It is reported from Mecra. Bel Kassiri, that on July 12th, two flying saucers were seen by two policemen on night at Had Court. The saucers were elongated in shape, followed by a trail of white light. Traveled from a high rate of speed again. <clears throat> on July 13th, two inhabitants of Federala reported having seen a blue-green bell-shaped object, a ball-shaped object, actually, followed by a short trail of light and moving at a rather high rate of speed. July 14th, a man and his wife reported having observed for about 30 seconds at about 9 o'clock a mysterious flying object traveling from E-Frain in the direction of... From E-Frain? I-Frain. So, it goes on and on here. There's another one. The object flattened... Oh, I already read that one. Two flying saucers. Oh, so that's about it. Yeah. There is a bunch more in here too, but I'll end it there. So it's uh, it's pretty cool how the CIA has this. Uh, from 1952, there's a rash of sightings from uh, Dakar and Morocco. Morocco. Yeah, luminous flying objects, white fires in the sky. Okay. Yellow flying discs. Up it up. <laughs> <laughs> Blue phosphorescent ovoid object. Lots of stuff going on in those that those few days. Jeez, I haven't heard much about that in the UFO lore. Huh. I want to hear more about this. Felix pumps out jingles oh, yeah. like a factory. And they're good, you know. It's, uh, the other one's on the voicemail. It's too hard to use. 
So, so this is a, it's just a natural process, not a natural process, but pro therapy. I was doing it for my knee injury. You ever heard of it? Your knee injury? Yeah. How did you get your knee injury? It's just, it's been like ongoing since last summer and it's kind of evolved all over my, evolved my leg and it was just sort of weak. So it wasn't really that evolved bad, but I've also been doing Evolved isn't the word. I've been doing it on my shoulder as well. That's been really chronic for like 15 years. And problem with my well, shoulder. I have real bad shoulder problems here. Well, you should maybe try. So, so prolotherapy, aka regenerative injection therapy, is also known as ligament reconstruction therapy or sclerolotherapy. It's a recognized orthopedic procedure that stimulates the body's natural healing process to strengthen joints weakened by trauma or arthritis. So joints weaken when ligaments and tendons are stretched, torn, or fragmented, become hypermobile and painful. Traditional approaches with anti-inflammatory drugs and surgery often fail to stabilize the joint and relieve pain permanently. Prolotherapy has a unique ability to directly address the cause and instability and repair the weakened site, resulting in permanent stabilization of the joint. When precisely injected into the site of pain or injury, prolotherapy creates a mild controlled inflammation which stimulates the body to lay down new tendon or ligament fibers resulting in the strengthening of the weakened structure. When the joint becomes strong, pain will be relieved. So this is good for a spectrum of conditions including arthritis, back aches, carpal tunnel, compression fractures, knee condition, herniated discs, chronic headaches, tennis elbow, shoulder pain, varicose veins, temporal mandibular joint dysfunction, work-related injuries, sports-related injuries, and much more. And our, my, our insurance covers this. So it's what? covered under naturopathy, which is awesome. So I get 500 bucks. What covered a, under naturopathy? I get 500 bucks a year uh, I could use towards Prolo. So I, I use mine up. And I t- I'm telling you, my knee's like 100%. You should give me that exact info so I can It's in the show the, notes. The actual place and everything? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he's downtown. He's a great... He's Is he been, direct bill? Uh, well, it doesn't yeah, it doesn't matter. Matter, Those benefits pay back real quick. They do, yeah, they're good. Yeah. So, anyways, um, see the the option is, and the the problem is, is you know, doctors don't even recommend this, which is weird, you know, because it's too natural and it actually heals you. You know, they'll probably say there's a lack of scientific evidence. I don't know how how uh, you know how uh, controversial this is. It's been going on for a while. No, there's only a couple. Quotes. There's only a couple people in Calgary that do it. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna check that out. My girlfriend gets it all the time. There's none. There's none in Saskatchewan anymore. I don't it's think. I don't think. So, any, anyways, uh, the doctors recommend cortisone, right? Which which rips apart your muscle from your bone eventually. Like it's got short term relief, but it totally damages it. So the option is like steroids or cortisone, or you can go to this you know, holistic naturopathic therapy. So yeah, I just wanted to say it's been helpful for me. Cool beans. Yeah. Yeah. Put a link in the show notes. Right on. Hey, check out grammarca.ca slash support guys. Um, sign up for a monthly there. If you can help us, uh, help us keep the lights on around here, keep the bills paid. We've, uh, we've taken our vow of never doing ads or paywalls or anything. And we're going to say never. I mean, we don't want to say say never. But I mean, that might not even be an option soon enough with the way things are going. That's exactly right. So if you can, check out grammarica.ca slash support if you feel that the show brings you some value. Uh, Send some value back our way for as little as a dollar a month. Uh, All the way up to $30 a month, really, if you want any 
any denomination, I can send it to you custom. Um, but yeah, if, if you could sign up even for a buck a month, that'd be great. You can do one-time donations there as well. Those are awesome too. Uh, if you can't support the show financially, we completely understand that as well. And there's a bunch of other ways you can support the show for free. Uh, check out America.ca slash swag. If you want to buy any gear and, uh, spam gram, that's free. Viewing the show is free. Telling people about this motherfucker is free. Share it wherever you can. What else? Is that it? Sign up for the newsletter. Sign other people up for the newsletter. America.ca slash news. That comes with a special cabin episode that we recorded a couple couple weeks back. Contact in the cabin. Contact at the cabin. Yeah, we didn't want to release that because we had a bunch of new listeners and we thought people are going to think we're fucking nuts, but... Yeah, there's still the Shroom episode, too. I got That's an email to read one. about that. I got some... Lots of triple reports are accumulating. Send, oh, in your, yeah. send in your trip reports, synchronicities, sightings, all that kind of stuff. We like to read it on the show. So it's, we, could, we could do a whole trip report episode soon. Beauty. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to play some music that was sent in by John Fletcher for the break. Right on. Big shout out to Fletcher. Yeah, and then we'll jump into the interview with uh, Dr. Horton. with is Dr. Catherine Horton. She's a particle physicist and founder of the site, the site that I'm on right now, which is stop007.org. And she became targeted by intelligence agencies back in 2011. Uh, I think it's been going on ever since, um, ever since she attended a high court case in London. So it's quite interesting. The website is full of uh, all kinds of information. We could get a little deep here. It's pretty hard to believe some of the stuff, but we thought we'd give... Uh, Catherine, a voice here on the podcast. So welcome to the show, Catherine. Hello, and nice to meet you too. Thanks for coming on. Well, it is a pleasure. It is a pleasure. And as you said, I mean, a lot of the things that um, I talk about are at first hard to believe, but um, I'll really do my best to to actually show um, your audience that it's actually um, not just not that hard to believe, but it's in fact what you would expect. (laughs) given our current affairs (laughs) yeah that's the thing i mean especially with our political climate right now and all the all the WikiLeaks and all this stuff that uh is is just out front for everybody to see you know it is easier to connect this um just to reality to something that might happen absolutely and actually a lot of the things that i talk about have been revealed by the WikiLeaks vault 7 so um just recently the vault 7 um release um uh, contained um, uh, it was a, a document where um, several hundred 
victims were begging um, for help and they were saying, please stop these criminals because they are murdering us. So, and that's describing exactly what I'm talking about. So it's attacks with microwave weapons and intelligence agencies going, um, you know, absolutely insane. And that email was sent to Stratfor. So um, it's actually on my website. Um, when people go to the FAQ section, the, um, the WikiLeaks, all seven releases there. So um, everything I say, I can also back up with documents and um, reference other researchers. Wow. So, uh, wow. I, will, I will today, I will stay entirely within the remit of what I can actually prove. So um, your audience should, you know, um, <laughs> sit down, you know, take a cup of tea, sit, lean back and just, um, you know, just listen to this. Because um, actually another thing I want to say before we launch into it is that, um, a lot of the things I will be talking about will be very hard going and very shocking at first. But I want everybody to just um, push through this, um, you know, fear and shock barrier. And remember that, um, you know, if they're just listening to it, there are many people actually living it. And the truth is that um, my colleagues and I who are now working on trying to stop this criminality, we have discovered that it has accelerated. And it's actually feeding into a much bigger um, criminal plan here. And the, the, the blank truth is that we need absolutely everybody on the planet who can help us stop this. I'm, I'm not kidding. So I can explain everything, how it came about and how I um, ended up doing what I'm doing. But um, what I actually want to say to your audience is that if, if whoever's hearing this, this is a requisitioning call. We need troops. We need troops to help us uh, because what I'm, what this is, is modern warfare. We are actually already in the middle of World War Three. <coughs> we just um, and um, so you know. Um, I hope that people can take in what I'm saying, um, and they should. Um, I, I urge them if they finish listening to this just look into the things that um, I have said, convince themselves that they are true, and then help us stop this, because um, wherever they are, we need them. Okay, is it, before we get back into the history of it, what, when did it start accelerating, do you think? Like, is the acceleration uh, correlated to the the sort of WikiLeaks type type opening up of everything? Like, it almost feels like things are unraveling and they're, and they're scrambling to, to maintain control. In a sense, they are. In a sense, they are quite panicked, but that's why it is so dangerous right now, because that's when the hot war kicks off. Um, it has accelerated, as far as I can tell, based on what I have seen. It has um, accelerated in a step function um, um, with the start of the war on terror, which I actually call the war of terror. Um, it was then when the intelligence agency budgets um, exploded in an unprecedented manner. And to give you an idea, MI5 in the UK, their budget doubled after 2003. Now this is unprecedented. What it means in real terms is that today we've got MI5 as it was before, and we've got a second black MI5, the same size. Wow. So, and um, you know, there's a Guardian article. So if people Google, um, um, I think it's Guardian or the Independent. So. Um, MI5 and then budget doubling and um, the headcount tripled. So in terms of personnel, we actually have one MI5 and two black MI5s, but then their operations quintupled, so it went up by a factor of five. So in terms of what nonsense these people are doing, 
we've got the old MI5 and four more MI5s. So that's to give you a scale of the problem, you know. Now, now because most of our listeners are, are here in North America, I mean, we have them all over the world, but can you just, um, just for people. the UK posse? Yeah, we've got the UK posse out there. Um, MI5 is similar to the American, is it's, it the FBI? The, and then the MI6 yeah, is like CIA or? Exactly. So um, I, as I understand it, your um. Um, the FBI is, um, I, I never know if it's an intelligence agency or police force, but it's probably a bit of both. Exactly. Yeah, so MI5 is exactly that. It's the, the domestic intelligence, and MI6 is foreign intelligence. Okay. In Canada, and, and, we have the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and actually, everything I say also applies to Canada. Um, I mean, you are part of the Five Eyes, but this is much bigger than the Five Eyes. This is a, glo- a global system. And um, there are some parts of the world where it's a bit tamer, but um, what we are actually dealing with is that um, the intelligence agencies, um, unbeknown to most people, have fused with time. And actually, they fused a long, long time ago. Um, and that is because they started off, you know, as the surveillance network of the royal households and so on. Um, and then royal households would, you know, want to keep an eye on their people and would be sometimes family relations, you know. So the families of France and the U- um, UK used to be, you know, um, actually related. And um, so their, their surveillance networks morphed a long time ago. And the truth is, as far as I can tell, to the best of my knowledge, what we have today is a global intelligence conglomerate that is tied amongst themselves and not very uh, closely um, regulated by the national governments at all. Right. It's like we've got to run away, you know, a monster, you know, a Frankenstein monster of its own volition. And I don't know a single government on the planet that has managed to um, keep the intelligence agency in check. So, and that is where all the problems stem from. So it, it sounds to me like, and I don't want to get, too political here at all, but it sounds to me like it's the, you know, this whole globalist movement that's going on. You know, there's a big fight in, in uh, you know, the election in France and what happened with Trump and the Brexit and all this globalist versus nationalist. Is this the intelligence arm of that same movement? Like, are they tied together or is it, uh, is it a separate, deeper, deeper thing? Um, it is exactly right. It is entirely um, connected. So um, to, to cut to the chase, and maybe, it's, maybe it helps to start with the global picture before we go into uh, detail. Um, so what we have on, uh, on, on, in, on our planet today is, in actual fact, is not what we all assumed we have. So, for example, um, if we start with the banks, the central banks, mm-hmm. it turns out that first of all private and second of all, they are all one organization that is headquartered in Switzerland which is the Bank of International Settlement, the BIS. And that is considered the, the central bank of central banks. What it actually is, it's in, in finance, um, it's referred to as the one bank. So in finance, it's already well known that the private, big private global banks and the central banks are also the one and the same entity. Okay, so in finance, everybody already talks about the one bank. So that is the global one bank. Now, what I want to um, put to your listeners is that in the intelligence community, we have exactly the same. I call it the one agency. So forget about five eyes. We're so past five eyes. You know, it is, it is a global, you know, a global eye by now. And um, 
And it stands to reason that the one agency is owned by the one bank. And why is that? It's because um, anybody who can buy an intelligence agency becomes incredibly powerful because they can do whatever they like. They yeah. can uh, snoop on governments and so on. So the people who are printing our money, sooner or later, they will want to buy the intelligence agencies. And I think they did a long, long time ago. And if you like, um, what, we, what the, the Third World War is, in actual, I mean, they will tell us everything else. They will tell us, oh, you know, it's us against the Islamists. Oh, it's us against the Russians or the Chinese. Nonsense. World War Three is actually us against the one bank. That's it. That's, that's the, if you know that, everything else in current affairs will make sense. And everything else say will make sense. But because the one bank has bought the one agency, um, so if you like, you know, the, um, your CIA is just the local branch and MI6 are just the local branch of the one agency. And there are already people who looked into it in greater detail and they say, you know, the one agency is also headquartered in Switzerland. So is this like a since they killed Kennedy thing? Because I mean, I've I've been entertaining the idea that that's kind of like when the CIA sort of took control of the American government, and they've kind of been running the show ever since. Until you know, recently, maybe, maybe, or maybe not. This is a uh, a a, uh, a coup. Well, yeah, you know, that's what that Prozniak was saying. You know, he's talking about interagency wars and. It really seemed like all the CIA-run media didn't want uh, Trump to be in the White House, and it really seemed like, you know, it's like 80% of Americans now think that the CIA killed Kennedy, you know, it was just a couple weeks after he said he was going to shatter it into a million pieces. Yeah. Um, and I, I think, you know, I understand what, you, what, you, what you're saying, that um, that was the point when the CIA took over, but um, I think in actual fact, by that time, they had already taken over which is why they could just bump off whoever they wanted to. And um, if we, um, I, I could only figure it out by using um, systems analysis. So that's just the, the modeling of the structures we have in our, our society. And it maybe helps to, to go back in history to, um, to how the U.S. was conquered. If, you, if we go back, it was, it was the royal households paying for the voyages and paying for the exploration and of course, they wanted to have a cut of the land. So by the time, you know, you had all the, the colonialist movements and so on. And of course, they arrived with their surveillance networks. You know, you would never just, you would want to know what's going on there, right? Because there was so much money to be made. So I would say the U.S. was already controlled by the European intelligence agencies back in the 15th century. <laughs> CIA is, is, uh, has you know, grown out of these, um, these local seedlings, I would say. It sure and seems like the U S has been a big experiment. Well, I mean, you've heard, you've heard about private like spy networks since, uh, Rockefeller, right. With his oil things. Like when, when the Ross, well, I can't remember if those Ross, the Ross trials, but someone was trying to get into oil in Europe. And I remember they were being real secret about it because Rockefeller had spies all over and he'd just come in and buy you out or, you know, railroad you because you already had a billion fucking bucks. Mm. Yes, I think, um, you know, this, um, but even so, um, even that I would say is um, um, just local shades of, of pretty much the same organization because, for example, the Rockefellers um, were in, in the banking sector 
you know. And the banking sector, going back in history, was what financed all the voyages, you know, for the um, for royalty. <clears throat> so whichever way we turn it, we realize that finance has been, you know, on the spying game um, for a lot longer than we would expect. Because, um, you know, if you've got assets somewhere, you would want to keep an eye on them. If you've got foreign assets, you want to keep an eye on them. So I would almost say that... Um, I mean, first of all, I discovered that a lot of the things that the intelligence agencies feed us is one big show. You know, they're con artists, they're professional saboteurs. And I, I, so many times I just ran up against the wall because I took stuff on face value. Um, and, and I think you have peeled back several layers, but what I would say is you have to go even further, you know, peel, keep peeling back the layers. And, um, so, you know, ultimately, I would, what I would say is that, um, uh, so what's relevant for today, um, for the situation we are now, is whatever anybody says, um, the best way to understand current affairs is to just assume there's one global bank that owns everything. They also own the spy agencies. And what they're doing is that they're asset stripping everybody who's not part of that cartel. And that can be governments. That could be also private people. Um, it could be other companies that are not part of the cartel. It's it's like a cancer that keeps growing and wants to just get more and more resources. Mm. Um, and and now the name of the game is to identify who's part of the cartel and who isn't. And um, how are we going to stop the spread of this? Because it is a runaway process. Wow. So so do you think there is a is there a counter coup going on in the intelligence agencies then? And then is, is there um, is nations themselves that are trying to stand up against this or is it all way past that? Um, no, I think you're absolutely right. That's exactly what's happening. And it is, there are counter coups going on and, and actually the counter coups, interestingly, are going on at all scales. They're going on as far as I can tell, they're going on on the nation state level. Um, they're also going on um, at the, the city level or, you know, state level, maybe, mm -hmm. um, but also at the local community level. Um, and this is why it's so um, dangerous, because it's actually a, a war on at all scales. It's everybody against everybody. Um, and, um, you know, sometimes you would have one intelligence agency within one country, you know, having infighting between two factions. Um, and one faction in one country might be closer to the, you know, that side of the battle in another country. Um, so it's, it's when you look into this, it becomes very confusing. And after a while, you don't know who to trust and um, whose side you're on. And this is what makes it so dangerous. You know, we haven't even talked about the modern weapons, but um, um, in any sort of situation in war where you don't know who your enemy is, people get paranoid, right? And they have a short fuse. Um, and that's what we also see now. So it's it's very, very dangerous time we're in now, um, which is why I think we need a lot of transparency. People need to be on the same page and everybody has to think for themselves, you know, what is the best thing, first of all, for themselves, but not just themselves, but for the entire community, because we have to stabilize the situation. Um, and I'll explain in more detail um, what's happening. But for example, I mean, you asked, is there a counter coup going on? And I would say, yes, for example, the the, the WikiLeaks, you know, those releases that we just um, can just read on the internet, they take high level hacking, you know, nation state level hacking to bring to us. So what you see in these World 7 releases and so on, 
are the good parts of the intelligence agencies who are desperately fighting to get transparency and get all this out. And it's our responsibility to take that information, to realize that this has been brought to us by people who risk their lives. And we have to go through it with the small, the, the fine comb and, and go after the criminals who are revealed in those leaks. And it is our task. You know, that's where we come into the battle. We have to crowdfund court cases and we have to lock the criminals up and we have to remove them from our system because <coughs> what we're dealing with is, it's called deep capture. It's deep capture by organized crime. <laughs> You know, and um, the reason why it's come about is because the one bank doesn't just own the intelligence agencies. It also owns organized crime because it's the most profitable business you can have because you don't pay tax. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's it. That's that's the big picture. You know, so we're fighting the one bank. We're fighting the one agency and we're fighting organized crime. And it turns out they're all one and the same entity. Go figure. <sighs> Yeah, that's a good that's a good big picture um, view. I like that, um, Darren. We got to talk more about WikiLeaks on this show. I think you know we got to do, yeah, yeah. do we got to sort of. I feel like we could, we have a voice here. We How could many of those false sevens have come out now? Oh gosh, I you know I think it's gigabytes and gigabytes. I I lost track because the last couple of weeks I was literally fighting for my life. But um, there's a lot of information there. And you know what, um, you know, people always complain about how the media is totally bought, you know, mainstream media. And what I would say to people is um, just become your own media platform, you know, just be um, a single investigative journalist. Um, and I think what we have to learn as humanity is instead of just paying a big corporation and big outfit, you know, by having a monthly subscription to a, a newspaper, what we should do is have monthly subscriptions to individuals whom we trust, you know, whose work we really like. like and the Grand America show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. absolutely. Because, um, you know, what I'm saying and what, and what I, I hope I will get around to saying is, um, is a bombshell. You know, it's, um, it's not going to be talked about in mainstream media at all. And yet it is the most, the single biggest issue for uh, U.S., Canada, and, and any other European nation's national security. No. Well, what's funny is it's already like there's a total, you know, a few years ago, WikiLeaks was the big thing, and now it's like they go against the CIA, and it's like instant nothing, like crickets, nothing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. And, and more and more people are following independent media. I mean, the, the media... Well, I think it's like that I pay attention between to is, Alex is, is, Jones and Joe Rogan. They're like fifty times anything anything mainstream to Yeah, yeah, yeah. And at least there's a lot of listener funded media as well, which is sort of what we we end up you know, gravitating to is is you know media that's funded by the listeners of the show themselves. So there's no worry about propaganda through advertising or you know censorship censorship or anything like that. Exactly. And, and, you know, that's um, all those listeners who are already, you know, investing in you, they are what they're de doing is they are building the future for their children. You know, that's what they're actually doing. And um, one of the things I'm, I'm always trying to get across to people is that don't get upset that you, you know, you're only asked to vote every four or five years because you don't realize but you're, you're you are voting every day with your money. Every time you go and buy something, it's like a vote. You know, 
So your money is worth much more than a than the vote once every four years. So think carefully what you vote for with your money. You know, are you going to put it into mainstream media? Or are you going to get an even bigger flat screen TV? Are you going to take the difference between the medium size and the really big flat screen TV and invest that into um, media platforms or maybe individuals who are fighting court cases that are pivotal? You know, and I think what we will see in the, the coming couple of years is um, a total rethinking and a total um, re-education of ourselves, you know, away from our previous existence, which was pretty much living in autopilot. You know, we go to work and then, you know, we get married, raise children and so on. And someone else should take care of our pension fund. Someone else should take care of, you know, running our politics and the local water company. And that has gotten us into the biggest misery ever because we were taken over by by criminals. <laughs> so now we have to do work to recapture our organizations from the criminals and once and for all, we all have to put back personal responsibility and, and you know, personal liability and um, personal attention to all these matters. That's a great, that's a great point. I mean, it might even just be buying local instead of, you know, all this uh, corporate uh, pre- prefabricated store-bought stuff, you know, just buy local at the farm, farmer's market more or something like that. Exactly. Yes. And, and also, you know, put your money into the people who you know and trust. And the people who you want to support. Yeah. Mm. And then, and then you made a good point about the court cases. Like maybe that's going to be the newest trend in crowdfunding. It's like people that are, you know, they have a couple extra bucks. They can put it towards um, court cases against some of these these things that you'll never, you would never traditionally see even in court. Absolutely, and that is pivotal. I, I think the UK has something called crowd justice. Maybe you have it in um in the Americas too, but um. I know about crowd justice, that's one platform, but other people are just raising money um, through um, GoFundMe and so on. But I have to say, if we want to change our world, we can, we actually can in just you know a few years. We also have to, uh, and I'll get into why, um, but the best way to do that is counterintuitive because people think, oh, the court cases or, you know, the courts are all captured and corrupt and so on. Yes, they are partially corrupt, but not all of them. But the truth is the courts are the only institution we have where we can stop large companies or um, an arm of, of, of a government from doing horrific stuff. It's only through the courts. And, you know, the, the big corporations have figured it out, which is why they, um, you know, you have to look at where they invest lots and lots of money. They invested, of course, into marketing, fair enough, but then also into lobbying mm-hmm. and then court cases. If you go to the commercial courts, the amount of money these people throw at their lawyers is astronomical because they figured out, even for big corporations, you know, the courts are the pivot point. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. So, do you want to get into the bombshell, or should we get back to your anything like that that correlates all that? <laughs> all right, everybody. So, hold tightly. Um, I can explain. So, how who I am and how I got here. Um, so, I am originally a high energy physicist. I'm a particle physicist. I worked um, for years at the University of Oxford um, in the UK, and I worked um, at CERN. I also worked at another accelerator lab for years called Daisy. That's the German electron synchrotron. And that's what I I did for years and years. And then um, when the financial crisis hit, I just thought, well, I want to do something that's 
um, more relevant to everyday work, you know, because there are all these conspiracy theories out about CERN, the high energy experiments, but I can dispel them in two sentences. And that's just simply saying that, you know, the collisions that we're producing and the energies that mm-hmm. we are doing, that is nothing compared to um, the, um, the interactions you have in cosmic radiations. You know, the, the high en- energies produced by stars and um, galaxies and black holes, you know, and those energies and those particles are colliding in outer space. So don't be afraid about CERN opening a black hole. Because if it could, then, you know, it would have just happened next to planet Earth in the cosmic radiation, but it hasn't. So, um, you know, the energies we produce are high, but not that high. However, CERN already has produced a black hole and it is going to devour everything. But that's in the pension fund, you know, and Uh, this is actually key, you know, because. hmm? Sorry. I was just laughing. I was just laughing. (laughs) Sorry, I thought you were about to interject. And, um, and, and actually, this, um, this remark goes to the heart of everything, because when I'm launching into the next topic, which is all about the intelligence agencies and their crimes, um, what's, um, the recurring theme is that they will try to obscure truth by throwing nonsense at you. And they will, the, the more they want to obscure something, they more, the, nons, the more spectacular the nonsense will be that they produce. You know, um, and you have to cut that out. You have to go back to the really mundane and the really boring stuff because that is what's going to kill you. You know, that that is what criminals and psychopaths will get you with. It's the, the boring stuff that you don't pay attention to. You know, they'll make lots of noise here and it will be all, ooh, you know, over here, razzle dazzle. And then where it's totally quiet and unassuming, that's where they will, you know, steal your pension funds you know, poison your food and kill you in your own home, you know? Um, so that, that is, that is what to look out for. And then to, to just explain, um, so I started off as a particle physicist, I'm a high energy physicist. Um, but then I changed to, um, after the financial crisis, I thought, hang on, how on earth can this be? How, what just happened and how can this be? So I started, um, studying human systems. And with human systems, I mean everything. That's not a physical system like an engineering system, but the human system like currency systems, governments, um, corporations, and so on. And my idea was to approach it as a, as a physicist and try to analyze the structure and try to figure out how the financial crisis could have come about. Um, and I could do that because um, Oxford has these ancient fellowships whereby the fellows are given money and they're not told what to do. So I was allowed to change fields and do whatever the hell I like, as long as I didn't bother people, <laughs> you know, as long as I kept quiet. So I did. Um, and I, so I changed out of particle physics. And the first case study I wanted to look at was the English legal system. And it's because the English legal system is famous for being, um, you know, sadly not for being very just, but for being extremely expensive and inefficient. You know, um, and um, I wanted to find out why that was. And at the time, there was a very high profile case. It was um, Berezovsky versus Abramovich. These are the, um, you know, the two oligarchs. Berezovsky since then died. Um, and, you know, Abramovich is a billionaire and an oligarch and so on, Russian oligarch. And I went along because that court case was advertised in all the daily papers at the time. It was famous. It had high profile lawyers, all the fireworks. And it was also public hearing with lots and lots of people. So I went along 
And um, I was, I think, the only person who didn't know anything about the Russians when I went. You know, everybody else wanted to know about the billionaire's lifestyle, you know, all the newspapers. And I wanted to know about the really boring stuff, like how do the lawyers do their work and how does the judge, you know, read the papers and go through all the, the amount of stuff? How can we make it more efficient? Um, but then when I went, um, so in the first few weeks, there were lots of, you know, people, members of the public and press. Um, and I turned up as well. And I was just sitting there in the audience and listening. Um, but then what I noticed after a couple of days is that I started being followed home. And that's when it all started. So at first, you just have an inkling that you might be followed home. And then, then um, I, by now, I know that it was MI5. But then they made it really obvious. And that was that after, I think, the first week, there was a man at the end of my drive waiting for me in the morning. So I would come out of my, um, of my house. I would walk down the, um, the driveway. And as soon as I stepped into the street, I would realize, hang on, there's a man just five meters away, just looking at me. I would just think, okay, he's probably waiting. I would turn off and walk to the train station to go to London. Then I'd realize that, you know, after I, you know, went some 20 meters, he would start following me. <laughs> the next day, there would be another man doing exactly the same thing. And it went on and on and on and on. And then after a while, the, the man would follow me maybe, you know, halfway down the street and someone else would be standing there and taking over. So bit by bit, um, the national surveillance network was pantomimed out to me. And um, I noticed they followed me all the way. It, it, I have to say, it's, you know, um, in the beginning, it was very hard to tell. You know, you just go for weeks trying to think, is this really happening? And then you realize at some point someone is going to be really overt and then you think, okay, they're still following me. Um, but then bit by bit, I realized how they followed me all the way from my flat down to London to the court building and back home to Oxford. Um, and I thought, okay, maybe it's, you know, at first I thought, is it a security operation by the Russians? And then I realized everybody who followed me was British and, and seemed to know the terrain just, you know, like their back pocket. Um, and I thought, okay, no, this is MI5. This is a national surveillance network. But then what happened is that at the end of the court case, this stalking didn't stop. It just continued and it turned into something that I now know is called street theater. And street theaters is when the um, surveillance network, um, which, by the way, when people say organized stalking, it's, it's the hum intel, it's the human intelligence network of the intelligence agency. Um, and what they do is um, street theater is when they put on a little show. So they do something that's so unusual, you will notice. And then they keep doing it. And sometimes they do that because they want to, um, well, it's, it's, um, it's to condition and triggers. You know, they want to be able to kind of get into your mind and try to, you know, control you a bit. And the only way to do that is through triggers. So they all, um, what they did with me is that they started stalking me in the, you know, literally dressed up like you would have, you would want to, or you would imagine a spy to be with a trench coat and dark hat. So suddenly as I was going, after the end of the court case, I would go from my flat to, um, to, um, the college in, in Oxford and on the short walk there'll be suddenly these men in their you know 50s to 60s walking around in trench coats looking odd and I've lived in Oxford for 12 years by that time and I've never seen anything like that and they then I realized they are kind of stalking me and then they would just you know I would step out of the college and one guy would be right opposite the gate talking on the mobile phone and pointing at me 
and another day someone would be down the street just stepping into my path and what they did is they tried to condition me to respond to this sort of stuff mm-hmm. photograph me in the face and so on and um at first i didn't understand what was going on i thought mi5 is still trying to figure out who i am maybe but no because mi5 knows after you know a day who you are you know they've got so much data on you no this what this was this was the beginning of my human trafficking as i know now that was the beginning of my human trafficking by mi5 and um you know they condition triggers into you and then what happened is that over the next couple of months I realized that suddenly a lot of young people started stalking me. And they were teenagers and in their early 20s. And they would put on street theater. And after a while, I would realize, oh, there's an older guy just watching them. And what they did is they used me because I'm totally harmless. There's absolutely nothing about me. I'm not a criminal. And they used me to train up their little trainee spies. I was a prop. Um, And they just kept going. You know, and um, after a while, after a couple of months, I mean, everything happened. You know, these young people stole my access card. Another time, you know, uh, there was even a break in into my home. Um, so, you know, they trained these young spies how to break into people's homes and so on. And they came in and they rearranged my shoe cupboard. <laughs> and, um, you know, I just, you know, put on my shoes, went to college. And by the time I went back, <clears throat> I, I opened the shoe um, cupboard and I wanted to put the shoes back. And the slot where they would fit in, because I had so few little space, was just blocked. And then I realized, hang on, the entire shoe cupboard has been rearranged. And of course, you can't go to the police and say, officer, someone came into my home and rearranged my shoe cupboard, because they would just laugh you out of the station. And that's exactly what, what the point is. They want to be able to do that and get away with it. Um, what I didn't know at the time is that this, um, the training up of young spies, and this is how we're tying it in with, um, you know, the um, um, when I said that the, the budget of um, British domestic intelligence um, doubled after 2003. So when, when an organization gets twice as much money, they have to use it up to get it the next year. Yeah. You know? And it's like classic, right? So what they, will, what they had to do is recruit whoever they can find in the country quickly. So these people would be the unemployed or young people or people from universities and so on, Um, but mostly young people. So what they did is that they, um, you know, they had all these young people and they had to train them. And the entire organized stalking, the explosion in organized stalking entirely coincides with the budgets of the intelligence agencies ballooning. But now the problem is that organized stalking, sadly, is not the only thing that the intelligence agencies do. Um, Because the intelligence agencies are also connected, because you've got military intelligence and so on, they're also connected to the military and to the arms um, dealers, so the weapons industry. And by the way, they're also connected to the pharma industry. Um, And what they started doing with me is try modern weapons out on me. And but that happened, I, I only noticed they might have started a lot earlier, but that happened after a couple of years of stalking. And I cannot explain to you how terrible it is when you are, you know, at the mercy of the intelligence agencies, because they're ruthless. They've never been regulated ever in the in their entire history. 
So they are used to do whatever they want to and get away with it. You know, it's like, you know how the inland revenue can really screw up sometimes and then you've got a hard time getting your right. But at the end of the day, they are public, you know, institution and still with them it can be hard or you know take AT&T you know it can be a nightmare but imagine AT&T with national security attached so the inland revenue where they can do whatever they want and not once in their history has anybody actually taken them to task you know <laughs> so so it sounds like they could be used as a training you know that this budget increase and and um, all you and many other victims are just being used as as pawns for training. But was there a reason why they picked you? Like why would they? Was there something about that court case, or was it um, was it a, more of a coincidence? You think, or um, yeah. Well, you know, um, every every victim goes through the cycle of why me. And um, at first, I thought, oh, it must be because of the court case. But then again. They can check my credentials and there's absolutely nothing. I'm not a spy. I never worked for an intelligence agency. That's pretty obvious from what I did. You know, I worked for Oxford for 12 years. They know everything. I was even an undergraduate there. So they have all my computer logs, every email I've ever sent in my life. They control Oxford, the intelligence agencies that is. So they know I'm not, you know, I'm not a spy or anything. So that's not it. Um, and at first, so I went through this analysis cycle of, look, you know, after a while I discovered that there are lots of other victims. And at first, when you do the analysis, I found that um, you think, oh, every person must have a reason. And people say, oh, you know, I am. Yes, it's true. Some people have said somebody famous or somebody rich and they have got connections to the intelligence agencies and they blacklist. That happens. Um, but a lot of people are just chosen randomly. You know, I think in my case, it might have also been, you know, sexualized stalking because there was a lot of you know, and um, I think when you are when you are a young woman, um, then you're you're also you know used, and these people actually look forward to stalking you because they get the extra perving kick out of it. You know, it's so much better than stalking some you know uh, hairy, sweaty drug dealer. You know, all day long. So their day job would be just to watch you in your own home, including in the shower, in the bathroom, everything. You know. And, um, and that's what they do. So there's a lot of um, sex trafficking going on. Um, but overall, I went through the cycle of thinking, oh, it must be the corked case, then realizing, no, it's not. It's much more likely that it's actually, you know, sexualized stalking. And once you're in the, on the blacklist, there's no way to get off. And then I analyzed some more. And when you go through the full cycle, you realize, hang on, no, there is a pattern. There is a pattern how these people are picked because... Um, I mean, I've now looked into this for over a year in detail, and um, I'm now working with people to try to stop this. And we have gone through a lot of victim you know, testimonies. And one of the things that I discovered is that um, the intelligence agencies pick people of highest integrity, you know, people of, of really either special skills, high intellect, high integrity, very high, um, you know, social engagement in the community people who really try to help others. Um, they also pick single mothers with um, sometimes autistic children. And there, I think they're, they're, doing, um, ex they're running experiments on them. But um, I didn't understand what was going on. You know, I kept thinking, why don't they just pick criminals? You know, um, I mean, apart from the, the fact that even that wouldn't be ethical, right? I mean, you can't just, you know, test weapons on a criminal or someone who you think is a criminal. 
But you know what I mean. You know, yeah. when you're really just absolutely honest, you think, why don't they just take the local drug dealer and so on? And, um, and now I discovered why they don't do that. It's because the local drug dealer works for them, right? He's part of the business. He's, you know, dealing drugs is, is big biz. Um, the intelligence agencies are not just involved. They seem to be organizing it because based on the surveillance tools they have, which I now know they have, it's pretty obvious to everybody that organized crime couldn't exist if the intelligence agencies weren't at least condoning it. You know, if not running it outright. So well, you have the CIA has been caught running yeah. drugs like countless times. It's like pathetic, really. And yeah. El Chapo's got what, like four fourteen billion in the yeah. bank? Yeah. Fourteen and, and, fucking billion dollars. Exactly. Where where, where where that's gonna put him in like the top fifty richest people in the world. No, no. No? No. No, I don't think so. It'd be interesting to know, but I, I don't think so. Maybe in the top couple hundred. Yeah, but, you know, nevertheless. And I think, you know, the key is to realize that the intelligence agencies, when they get caught, they want to portray it like, oh, you know, a couple of bad apples and okay, this thing, you know, the organization ran out of control. The sad truth is, and everything I've seen confirms that, it's not. This is what they do. This is what they're there for. They are there to make money for the cartel with organized crime. Right. They're there to cover it up. They're there to enable it, to facilitate it. And yes, you know, um, in every organization like that, you have a patchwork of good people and bad people. So sometimes they have to fight their own employees and their own colleagues. You know, you have parallel organizations who are in charge of running drugs. And the second part, which you try to keep as, you know, underfunded as possible, who's desperately trying to fight the drug dealing. You know? Yeah. So he's just ahead of Rupert Murdoch and Elon Musk. At, he'd be number 80. 80? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> we, have to, we have to ask who are they working with, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's just, it, it, it's insane. Yeah. Really, like. It, it absolutely You is. can't pull that kind of shit off. Out of a fucking hut, having, in, out yeah. of a hut in Mexico. Yeah. No, you've got high level help to get fourteen <laughs> billion dollars. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely, and um, you know, and now the situation is um that we have these organizations. I always say that you know it's called the secret service. If you've got a secret service, and uh, you know, it's, if it's secret, then people can get away with anything. So sooner or later, it will turn. There will be some criminal shenanigans. And then the criminals will take over because they're psychopaths, you know, they're ruthless. And because there's so much money in crime, because it's not taxed. So when you've got anything secret, criminal elements will get in, they'll take over. So before you know it, it will, your secret service will be your criminal service. And that's, I think, what we have. So, <laughs> sorry. No, so, so picking you out and, and what you described as the people that they choose for this harassment... Is that part of like splitting off who's finding out who's not in the cartel or, or at least making sure that whoever they're doing is not part of their, the cartel, really? The, extend, exactly. the extended cartel. Yes, and that's, that's correct. So they are, they are, I think some, some, in some cases, I thought, hang on, maybe they were working for you know, organized crime but the wrong branch, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, but there, there's a few cases like that, but by and large, the vast majority of the people on these blacklists are people of absolutely highest integrity who are not part of the cartel. That's hmm. right. 
that's what I discovered. And um, and this is why it's so important that if you want to fight the cartel, the people you can, you know, trust are the people who are on these blacklists, you know, because if they were part of the cartel, they wouldn't be on the blacklist. Yeah. Um, and it is when you think about these big, complex human systems, it's also um, easy to understand why we would end up in this situation, because, um, you know, when you have um, ruthless people and you empower them one way or another, either through inadvertency or because, you know, you're running an organized crime ring, um, these people will always go after the, the, you know, the best and brightest, you know either out of personal vengeance or because there's so much to get from those people. Yeah, and, and there's a lot to gain for from the harassment as well. Exactly. Exactly. And that is another topic that um, my colleagues and I are just about to get into, which is how much money you can make with a person's death, you know? And um, so to, to, to cut to the chase, I mean, there's... Um, we discovered now that there are many, many different ways that um, the people on these blacklists are being used. I, I think it's fair to say that um, what these blacklists actually are um, is, is um, they are part of a business plan. You know, they are not anti-terrorism um, devices. They are not. They are, they are part of a business plan where at every scale people make a lot of money. And how they make money differs on, on different scales. but Everybody makes a lot of money. So the way it works, I think, is um, if you take the organized um, gang stalking, which is the human intelligence network of the intelligence agencies, the stalkers themselves get paid a lot of money just to do the dumbest type of work. Um, and because the intelligence agencies expanded so fast the last 15 years, um, they, you know, they couldn't take hardworking people who had high paying jobs because they had high paying jobs, right? They were busy. So they took whoever was available, you know, to just use up their budgets. And the people who were available were the people who were either lazy, stupid, or who were neither lazy nor stupid, but just happened to be unemployed, you know, but they, in vast majority of the, um, of the cases, they seem to have taken the absolute dregs of society. Is that why now, there's such a leak problem, do you think? Uh, a leak problem? You mean with the um, like um, classified information leaking out? Yeah. Um, no, I think the the leaks we find are actually the good guys and in the intelligence agencies desperately trying to wring in you know uh, information from the from the criminals' hands and getting them out there for us. I think that's it because the low level um, gang stalkers would not have access to the sort of. Um, information and they are they're usually very you know corrupt people don't really care that much so they all keep their mouth shut that's what i've observed um but when you are on these you know blacklists you'll be faced with you will be stalked everywhere by this frankly low life you know and they are incredibly stupid incredibly arrogant and extremely corrupt and they really will they can be made to do anything whatsoever or five dollars, it seems. So it's, that in itself is deadly. Let's get into some of the high tech weaponry that they're using against yeah, you guys. So, exactly. Now this is this is now we're going up on the scale of how they make money. So the high tech weaponry is um, in in the first instance part of it is still weapons testing. Yeah. Okay. So um, you people on the watch lists are used um, as guinea pigs for weapons testing. Um, but the weapons themselves are, as we've now discovered, um, part of a, of a global weapon system. 
that is the most dangerous that humankind has ever built. So the weapons that they are now testing on us, um, when you're a victim, I, um, so I was just stalked and harassed for um, a couple of years, but then um, in Germany, so also these surveillance lists are international. So your harassment follows you wherever you are in the world seamlessly because the inter intelligence agencies are all one, you know, inter interlinked. Um, and I went to Germany and um, I hoped that the harassment would stop. But instead, after a while, um, they started testing what's called electromagnetic weapons on me. So they can, um, with these electromagnetic weapons, they can do anything, um, induce cancer silently so that you don't even notice, give you a heart attack, give you brain damage, make your muscles twitch, um, give you all sorts of weird symptoms. They can remote control your arm and so on and so on. And the way it works to explain the technology is um, the, the most surprising and the most um, powerful aspect of this technology is that certain frequencies go through building materials almost like glass. Wow. So when you have mobile phone traffic, for example, so mobile phone frequencies, they go through brick and concrete as if it were milky glass. You know, if you put a, point a laser point at milky glass, it still goes through and you can still point at somebody on the other side. And when you now have, you know, a, a standard thickness wall, um, microwaves go through at 50%. So it means that if you double the intensity, it's like as if there weren't even a wall, you know. And um, so a lot of the um, the mobile phone um, signals that we have are in the megahertz to gigahertz range. Um, and um, it turns out that um, those frequencies, but also other frequencies, have bio effects, you know. And what that means is that if the energy of the electromagnetic wave is punched into your body, it can set off your nerves. So it can make your muscles twitch, you know, just like if you get electroshocked, your muscles twitch or cramp up. And it turns out you can also use an electromagnetic pulse and do that. But they can also cause pain. And as you know, microwaves can also cook tissue, right? They can heat it. They can charcoal it. They can make it boil. They can make, you know, your body pop just like the sausage would pop in the microwave. And um, so deadly aspect number one is that it goes through walls. This means if you've got a microwave weapon, you can shoot at somebody inside their own home. Right? Go figure. You don't even have to shoot through the window. You can go shoot through the wall. And then um, the second really scary thing about these things is that they are very easy and extremely cheap to manufacture. If you think about your microwave in the kitchen, I mean, mine was something like, you know, 20 euros, so $20. And if you strip away the um, the cavity, you know, where you put your food in and the metal cladding, which is just insulation to keep you safe, and you just take the little device that makes microwaves, it fits into the palm of your hand. And that little device is producing so much energy that it can cook meat, it can charcoal it, or it can make, you know, meat pop. Now, that already tells you that for $20, you can buy a weapon with which you can kill somebody on the other side of a wall because the microwave frequencies will go through brick. Okay, the only thing that blocks microwaves is metal. And if you look carefully on the glass front of your microwave, you will have a little mesh and the meshing size is matched to the wavelength to um, keep the microwaves in. So you can still look through because light, visible light is a different frequency, 
but it will block the uh, microwave. But should you not have that mesh, it could literally kill you instantaneously if you turn on your microwave. Now, what people started doing is that they figured this out and they put little emitters that are the size of the emitter in your microwave or even smaller, and they turned them into guns. And they're not much more expensive than your microwave. And you can shoot at people through the wall and you can give them heart attacks, brain damage, cancer, everything. Do you consider this the type of electromagnetic weapon or is this a separate thing altogether, the microwave and the electromagnetic ones? Um, no, no, it's a micro. It's a, it's an electromagnetic weapon. So electromagnetic is the um, it's it's kind of the um, the compound name, and um, it's all based on electromagnetic waves. And then microwaves are just one particular frequency. So if you like, um, everything, radio waves, um, visible light, um, even X rays and gamma rays, you know, from a distant galaxy, that's all electromagnetic waves. It's all light, if you like. The only thing that's different is the frequency. So radio waves have a very long frequency, very, very, um, sorry, yeah, very low frequency, so therefore very um, long wavelength. You know, they are, radio waves can be 500 meters, 200 meters or, you know. Um, but if you have visible light, that has a very, very short wavelength. You know, it's oscillating extremely fast, a little wave, it's just wiggling very fast. The wavelength is very small, but the frequency is high. Um, so the, the microwaves are just one part of these um, electromagnetic weapons. And it turns out that if you go to even lower frequencies in the um, Hertz range, so Hertz, this um, scientific unit is, is beats per second. So, um, you know, a wiggle of the electromagnetic wave per second. Mm-hmm. And if you're in the low Hertz range, you can even interfere with the human brain with the neural functioning of the human brain, you can disrupt it. And at first it sounds really fancy, you know, all this mind control stuff. These are mind control weapons. But if you think about it, you can disrupt the human brain by just whistling in the library, right? That's That's the equivalent of disrupting a human brain with audio sounds. You know, it goes into the brain, it messes up whatever the brain wants to focus on, and you suddenly can't focus, you can't read in the library anymore. And this is the best example I found to explain to people how you can do exactly the same with electromagnetic waves. So I don't have to tell you that if I just zap your head and I just, you know, shoot a a fast pulse into your head, you might get disoriented and you lose your train of thought, you know? Yeah. so how do you tell how do you tell the difference between something you know like let's say this has been happening to you and you feel something happen or you you notice something biologically and then do you see a, do you see somebody have you ever caught anybody in the act or how can you tell that's not just sort of your own yeah you know? so so what you can do the first time I was um, attacked with um, an electromagnetic weapon I was I was, um, I was shot at from a from a helicopter. And these devices are called crowd control weapons. And yeah. I was just on the rooftop terrace of my home in Munich. And when you when you get shot at by one of these things, you know, because I was standing under a glass roof and this helicopter um, just stopped above me. And suddenly you feel like you've got waves traveling through your body. But it's so intense. It's like, you know, when you're in a swimming pool and you're, setting, you're standing next to these high pressure water jets underwater yeah. and you can feel your tissue moving. Well, it was just like that. It was just like that. And the entire of my front and my legs were just vibrating. And I didn't know how and what, you know. And I think that was 
either intimidation theater or an actual weapons test on me, you know. Um, but then at the time I thought, what just happened? Um, and I thought, okay, never mind. They just did some nonsense again. Um, but then when we moved to Switzerland, I started being attacked all out with these microwave weapons. And it came about because um, there was a break-in, again, a break-in into my home. And I said to my husband, I had enough of this nonsense. I'm going to go to the police and I'm going to spill the beans on all of this stuff. You know, I want this to stop. And half an hour after I said that, um, we went to bed. And in bed, I was assaulted all out with microwave weapons. And what happened is that I was just lying in bed and suddenly um, my foot started burning. But really like as if it went on an oven plate. And then you just freeze and you're really shocked. And then this burning sensation started moving up my leg onto my knee. And that turned instantly into deep joint ache. And this was so weird. I immediately put my hand on it. And then the pain transferred from my knee onto the knuckles um, and joints of my hand. I was just thinking, what on earth is this? And your skin is tingling or slightly burning, but you've got this intense joint ache. And then I put my other hand on 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 um, on my um, my hand, and the pain transferred again. And then waving my hand around, I thought, "Hang on a second, there's something here in the room. It looks like a beam. It feels like a beam." And then they switched it off. So when you get attacked by these microwave weapons, you really know when when the intensity is high enough, when they really want to disconcert you. So you would feel a burning sensation or joint aches, but if it's pulsed. Um, you would feel suddenly muscle twitches and things like that because somebody shoots a pulse into your muscles and they contract. Um, and they've got, to be honest, so many different ways because um, it, they can they can create any sensation that human beings have because all our sensations are electromagnetic, you know, so they just have to um, trigger the right nerves and so on. Mm. And and that's it. And um, what happened to me is that once they started with that, it never stopped. You know, I ended up on the all out um, weapons testing program, which is a program that takes victims and, and just um, it's it's um, it's using them to ultimate attrition. Essentially. Yeah. So what are some of the other other kinds of weapons you were talking about? Oh, they are. So now this is the microwave weapons are the um you know, the, the lower end. So it get, just gets ever fancier from there. So you can, what they also have is, I should also say this, these radar surveillance devices with which you can just, um, you know, um, use um, radar um, to, to just do very high resolution surveillance inside homes. You know, there's, I think Lawrence Livermore lab is selling a device where they say you can just put it on the back of a pickup truck and make a floor plan of a multi-story building, you know. What they don't say is that whilst you're making that floor plan, you will also see where the people are and what position they are sitting in whichever room, you know, what they're doing. And you can use these devices to um, survey people into the greatest detail. Um, but then what they can also do is, um, I think it's called um, pulse Doppler, uh, pulse radar and um, miscellaneous other things. And with that, you can vibrate people's bodies. There's also ultrasonic devices and vibrational devices where you can just, um, you know, vibrate people inside their own home. And that's all fairly easy to understand in low tech. Where it gets really weird is the stuff that they are researching now, which is... Um, using electromagnetic weapons combined with nanotechnology 
to control human beings into the greatest detail. And um, yeah, that's when it gets really deadly because um, what you can do is you can um, inject certain nanotechnology into a person or just put it in their food and it ends up inside them. And you can have nanotechnology that um, adheres to different parts of their body. You know, you can pick nanotechnology that adheres to an organ or you can have nanotech that goes into the brain. And depending on what sort of nanotech you have, you can enhance the amount of energy that tissue will absorb from an electromagnetic wave. Okay, so I said earlier that microwaves go through walls. Well, microwaves also penetrate um, our bodies, you know. And um, if you if you give somebody nanotech that maybe adheres to parts of their brain and then you send the wave through it, you can do things like you just cook their brain, you know. Someone standing next to them in the same beam will be fine because their brain will not absorb the same amount of energy. If you've got, for example, metal particles, then they will absorb um, this energy and, um, you know, heat the local tissue, things like that. So what we discovered is that by looking at, I mean, first of all, my own experience and then looking at victim testimonies is that intelligence agencies now seem to be busy trying to read out brains remotely. So this is your your brain print, um, you know, your electromagnetic activity inside your brain. And they can do that to a very, very high degree. I think using nanotech and um, certain types of, of microchips. And they can also read out the signal that you have during one particular activity and then send the same signal back at a later time. Oh, um, interesting. So they can mimic... So, they, they can mimic... Uh your response to something exactly and they can mimic so if you just have a, a human being who just does something your brain activity for motion and your brain activity for complex thoughts is very similar you know if you've got synapses firing and you've got all these electromagnetic currents in your brain and they create a field and if you can read out that field um you can if you're fairly sophisticated you can try to recreate that type of field or try to stimulate the part of the brain that was active at the time. And then you can, you know, set off that part of the, um, of the human brain. For example, one of the things that's ancient is that if very early on, people discovered that, um, you know, different emotions have, for example, different uh, are triggered with different glands in the human brain. Um, and um, a microwave weapon expert, Dr. Barry Trauer, said, well, you know, already in the 70s, they knew that you can use a pencil beam and shoot a pencil beam into a, um, a person's head and make them instantaneously aggressive. Wow. And, and then if you think about it, we've got now modern pattern recognition technology. You know, if you take your mobile phone and you want to take a picture of somebody, it automatically shows up with these little squares around people's faces, right? And if the people move around, the squares move with them. Now, that's just, you know, crappy software that comes for free with your phone. When you're thinking about pattern recognition for military applications, then, you know, a military um, pattern recognition software could pinpoint, you know, um, I would say about a millimeter on, on, your, on your face, the same square millimeter on your face, um, regardless what you do. You could be jumping up and down or, you know, running or cycling. So when you have this sort of pattern recognition and you can't combine it with a microwave emitter, creating a very fine pencil beam, what you can do is if you follow this person around and keep this beam aimed at their head, 
is that you can't you don't just make them aggressive you can keep them aggressive so let's say you want to you know cause somebody to um you know become aggressive and start shooting up people well you can do that remotely and they wouldn't know about it right and the environment wouldn't know about it so um, that's what we're dealing with well if people are are even having a hard time believing this the, this high tech stuff like i was looking into the labs you mentioned Laura, Lawrence Livermore labs and there's about 8 or 10 of them in the in the states themselves that are that are huge, like very, very high tech. Mm. Thousands of scientists working for each one, all kinds of high tech programs, stuff you never really hear about, like, you know, Sandia Labs, Brookhaven. Um, what's the other one? There's a couple more, uh, Lawrence Livermore, and, and uh, thousands and thousands of scientists, most of it funded through the Department of Energy and, and other um, corporations. So, and they're, and they're, they're pretty. Uh, they're pretty open on their website. I mean, I'm sure they have a lot of secret stuff as well, but I mean, just the stuff alone that you can just go browse on their website, you know, you would think they have no problem making the type of stuff you're talking about. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, it's, um, when you have to understand this really sophisticated stuff, it helps to break it down into simple elements you can understand. And, um, what I just mentioned, this pencil beam, um, thing, that's what Dr. Barry Charles says they already had in the seventies, you know, nailed. Um, so we're now 40, over 40 years on. Um, and uh, what they have now is just amazing. And, and um, you know, the, the arms industry went through the same acceleration that the software industry went through, you know, how, it, um, you know, you, you have these synergies and um, it, the developments just get faster and faster. And unfortunately, the weapons industry went through exactly the same thing. So the, the developments they had from the 1970s to the 1990s, are just as fast as, you know, what we would have maybe from 2013 to 2015, you know? Yeah, wow. So, and, and that's it. So, yeah, but I always say, um, you know, if you if you took somebody, right, say we go back to the 19, um, we go back to 19, mid-1980s, okay, and you have somebody who comes forward and they say, well, you know, I've got this little device that it fits into the, the palm of my hand and I can just talk into it and I can just send an image through this little thing to anybody in the world, right? And I can send, you know, a picture of my private parts to my girlfriend. And there's this satellite system. And it's just, you know, it just enables me to do that. Well, people in the 1980s would have thought, what nonsense, right? But the truth is that the military satellite system in the 1980s already did what our mobile phone systems do now, right? And we all know the example I've um, I've listed. It's it's so popular. It's it has its own verb. It's called sexting, right? So and it's very popular with politicians. So you have the situation whereby um, it's true there is this big satellite system entirely catering towards sending images or sending voice messages from one point of the planet to another. So now what I'm telling you is that there is a satellite system which runs in parallel and sometimes on the same devices as these things where you can send brain prints from one part of the globe to another. So um, what the intelligence agency seems to have done, seem to have done is um, decode what we call um, internal speech. So when you're thinking something and you're thinking in full sentences, mm -hmm. um, you have an internal dialogue. 
And it seems to be the case that they can read out that internal dialogue. So if someone points uh, a beam at your head and then reads out this internal dialogue, they can send your internal dialogue across the globe, just like as if you'd left a text message or a voice message. Wow, that's Um, crazy. It is, but it's it's not that crazy. And then when you have the system, you suddenly understand. One of the biggest things that people didn't understand for years was um, people claimed that they had voices in their head. And they claimed, oh, that there seems to be a group of people who's just talking to me nonstop. And they are responding to the things I, I am thinking. And people couldn't believe it. But actually, all it is is reading out this internal dialogue. You know, and and then sending it to maybe a, a test lab somewhere around the the globe where people just analyze this on a laptop, and then they either speak into a microphone or you know or don't even do that. They just think a certain text, and that's sent back to your brain. Um, and they've got. I mean, some of this is out in the open too, right? I mean, they've got. Uh, you know, there's an article here on the, from the Daily Mail and it says run away the ray gun is coming and and it's about these guys testing the US army's new secret weapon which is that you know that one of these ray guns and it's like they're they're doing these tests and it's like really hurting them like causing pain and all this kind of stuff and then it gets into Raytheon talking about um where is it here <clears throat> I just lost it huh it was talking about all the different types of uh, weapons that they're making. Yeah, and you know what? The, the stuff that's in the Daily Mail, this ray gun, I think that is just gradual disclosure. That's what I was wondering, the- yeah. Yeah, it's, it's just gradual disclosure about technology that was around 30 years ago, I think. You yep. know? Um, and and they, they will not put into the Daily Mail what um, the current stuff is that they're testing. But on the other hand, when you've got the victim of the intelligence agencies, if they're really in a weapons test program, what they will be exposed to is what people want to test now. <laughs> so um, when you talk to victims of the intelligence agencies, you have to mentally prepare yourself that you will be hearing about technology that you might not even know about yet, because that's what the intelligence agencies would be testing on them for the weapons industry. Yeah. Um, and, and this is where this big... Um, you know, schism comes from. But um, what we truly have now is a situation whereby, I mean, as I said in the beginning, there are several layers to this. So the gang stalkers earn their money by just being paid. You know, one layer up, you know, senior members of the intelligence agencies can can get cash back by stalking their love, you know, uh, love interests or, or destroying people who are business competitors to them and so on. So that there's a lot of cash back in that. Um, one level up at the level of the intelligence agencies themselves, they can make money by um, guinea-pigging the people on their blacklists and and earning money. But now, um, in the last step, I want to push people further and say, how do people make money above the scale of the intelligence agencies? Okay? And this is where we close the circle at last. Because I said in the beginning that it seems to be the case that we have the one bank who owns the one agency. who makes money or how can somebody make money above the scale of the intelligence agencies? The question really is, how would the one bank make money out of a system like that? And here, this is now the shocking answer where I need absolutely everybody's help. Um, The one bank is making money by us asset stripping nations. Okay. 
And I think it's Alex Jones who said, you know, oh, um, they did the First and Second World War were entirely managed and financed and staged by American and London banks. Um, I think he said something like that. That's certainly true. Now, those American and London banks already at the time of the First and Second World War were part of the One Bank, which is headquartered in, in Switzerland. And as a historian, a Swiss historian called Sean Cross, who also talks about how it was actually the, 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 the Swiss um, you know, cartel here that was um, funding the First and Second World War, which is why in the Second World War, in the entirety of Europe was burning, apart from Switzerland. Okay, <laughs> because the you know the people who paid for this were sitting here and they were watching the show. Um, now, this is this is how. So if you if you go back through history, I think a case can be made um, that it was the one bank that paid for the first world war, that paid for the second world war, and used both of both of those occasions to asset asset strip nations. You know, in in the second world war, they really asset stripped Germany. Um, after the Second World War, we had communism, and that was actually a big asset-stripping exercise, um, you know, of, of Russia and China. Okay. And now they're and, are they stripping the Middle East now, or what? What's going they, on? Yes, yes, they're stripping the Middle East, and we saw that, right? I mean, now all these oil companies are, you know, um, have brought freedom to those countries they invaded, right? <laughs> Um, yes, that's it. And then the financial crisis, assets stripped Spain, Greece, Portugal, right? And all these. Yeah. And now the question is who's left? So who would you, where, where are the, you know, the fat cows still left? And the America. fat cows. Yeah, in the US and in Europe. That's right. So now the question is, with all this, what we've really observed is this explosion in gang stalking, explosion in the intelligence agencies, this insane asset, uh, sorry, this insane weapons testing of miscellaneous electromagnetic weapons on people. And now my question to your audience is, how can the one bank make money with that? It has to do with asset stripping. So how can you use all of these things, organized stalking, you know, um, invisible weapons that can give people heart attacks, or brain damage, or cancer, how can you use that to asset strip the US and Europe? <laughs> right? Answers on a postcard. But I think we all have a, a rough idea, right? Well, if we don't, we can go back and think, how did they asset strip Germany? War. And how exactly, exactly. But it has to be a war on their territory, you know? And Even just a civil war. Yeah, or, yeah, a civil war or a proper war, exactly. Mm. And then you have all these reports about the FEMA camps and, you know, is it Walmarts or miscellaneous weapons um, stashes just popping up across the country with so many, you know, bullets that, you know, there's more bullets than people, you know, in, in the U.S. And then you think, oh, Okay, <laughs> right? And now this is not even it all. Um, it turns out that everything I said about how you can, you know, disrupt the human brain and so on can be done um, with also with microwaves. And as soon as you've got microwaves, you can also do it through the microwave towers. But right. also you can 
little microwave guns hidden in cars, you know, that shoot at people as they're driving their car. And people have done that to me. I had now three assassination attempts, which I survived the last year. And all of them were being shot in the head whilst I'm driving my car with an electromagnetic gun. Um, and um, now it turns out that the microwave towers, these gang stalkers, um, some of whom have electromagnetic guns and so on, are all part of one big global weapon system. It's a fully integrated weapon system. It's also fairly centrally controlled. Wow, right? Yeah. This is what we're dealing with. So we're dealing with a situation whereby you guys in the US and me in Europe, we are just before the, the hot part of World War Three, where there will be a war on both our territories to asset strip our nations. Right? <laughs> That's the truth. So this is is this is what you're trying to get you gaining support for what what how can people help this cause then? Um, so now, um, given that this is the situation, um, people can help by um, so first of all, um, uh, we have to stop this weapon system. That's number one because this weapon system is is used by the one bank, you know, the, otherwise known as the banking cartel to um, kill off politicians who they don't like, who would be standing in the way of World War Three, kill off private people, you know, who they don't like, and so on. And, um, and this is just before I, I say how we can help. This is where it all ties in with what I said earlier, because if you really want to launch a war some, somewhere, you also have to get rid of the people of high integrity, you know, um, because they would be highly regarded in their community. People would listen to them in, in um, you know, in um, hours of need. And they would be actually very powerful, especially with social media. So what we're seeing is actually, um, it's in the Second World War, it was called an Intelligenzaktion. That was when the Gestapo, the Germans, marched into Poland. But before doing so, they identified who the bright people, who the, um, who the intelligent people were, you know, the intelligentsia. And who were the people of highest integrity and high patriotism in Poland? And they identified them beforehand. And when they moved in, they lined them up in the street and shot them in the head. And then they invaded because there was the, the society didn't have any resilience anymore. They couldn't organize themselves. They couldn't express themselves. They didn't even know what happened because all the intelligent people who could figure it out were dead. Now, I'm saying that exactly the same is happening now in Europe and the U.S. Wow. These people on the blacklist are all people of highest integrity, special intellect, or, you know, I'm not talking intellect in terms of you've got a high educational degree. No, 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 that's not what's required. What's required is you've got your head out of your backside and you've got your eyes wide open. There are very few people who are like that, as you know, right? Yeah, yeah. You can identify these people with large database analysis. You can just go through their Twitter feeds or their social media. You can identify them. And if they're ahead of the pack in terms of figuring this out, you can exterminate them with electromagnetic weapons. You can put them on the slow kill program. And that's what I'm on. You know, I'm on the slow kill program. So if you guys want to figure out how the hell to stop your part of World War Three in the Americas, I suggest you have a good look who is on the slow kill program because there's something extremely special about them. 
is something extremely important that you will need. They are, they are your national treasures. And some of these people look like nothing. You know, I mean, they're not flashy. They don't drive flashy cars. Some of them don't have high educational degrees. But what's special about them is that they have insights. You know, or they are particularly kind, very social. They, they are the supporting structures of your society. And maybe you remember the collapse of some very high-rise towers, you know, in the recent past. Yeah. The way that that was done, it seems, you know, given that jet fuel just can't burn high enough to melt the amount of steel that was in those, you know, or melt steel at all, but certainly not the amount of steel that was there. So given that that's not possible, what happened, and there was evidence for that, is that um, certain explosives have been placed on the supporting girders. I think there's many things that happened that day yeah. using some people say also fancy technology, but certainly there were explosives placed on the supportive um, structures of those edifices. Now, what I'm saying to you is that everything I know as a systems analyst tells me that if you want to take down a society, you would have to do the same. You would have to um, weaken the support structures of that society. Now, societies are highly complex systems, and the support structure is, um, you know how you've got in the, those high-rises, I'm sure that there were fancy penthouse suites at the top, but the fancy penthouse suites were not the supporting structure. They just look good, but they didn't have a supporting fun function. The real supporting functions were in the basement, you know, in dirty rooms. That's where the solid girders were. And our societies look exactly the same thing. We've got fancy people like politicians and billionaires and stuff like that, but they are not the supporting people in our society. They are not the supporting girders. And everything I've analyzed over the past year tells me that the one bank used large database analysis. That's why they needed access to all our phone records and emails and all that. Okay. That's why the intelligence agencies in the war of terror wanted access to everything because they used all that to identify who the true national treasures, who the true supporting girders in our societies are, and they quietly placed them on a blacklist for takedown. So how do you find out, how do you find that blacklist and who to, who to check out as the support structure? So they are it's very easy to find because a lot of the victims will be, I kid you not, on Twitter and YouTube begging for their lives. You can find these people by just searching for the keywords targeted individual, organized gang stalking, and electromagnetic harassment. Now, all these three terms, which is what the community has to use because that's what everybody's using, are PSYOP terms by the intelligence agencies. Organized stalking is um, you being on a blacklist and you being followed by the HUM Intel network, the human intelligence network of the national surveillance system. Um, Organized talking. Um, what else did I say? I'll put, um, these, I'll put these terms in the show notes as well. So we have target individuals, organized stalking, and electronic harassment. Exactly. Electronic harassment. And electronic harassment is actually microwave mutilation. That's what it really is. Because these people are to die. Okay? So it's not harassment. It sounds like, you know, after a bit of harassment, you can recover. No, this is a terminal list. These people are meant to die. They, they are meant to be totally um, debilitated by the time the world war kicks off, okay? That's, to the best of my knowledge, that's the case. 
So I would suggest everybody who's listening is find those people. Also keep in mind that the intelligence agencies put a lot of fakes into the community who just spread this information. So what my colleagues and I are trying to do is find the genuine victims and try to help them as quickly as possible. But to stabilize our societies, we need to rescue every single one of those targeted individuals. We don't know what's so special about them, but something is super special about them and we need them. You know, yeah. that's point number one. And you mentioned, you know, every person can can also support court cases. If we want to rescue the system, and I cannot express to your audience how urgent this is. If we want to stop World War Three, the only way to stop it in a civilized manner is to deal with all of this in court cases, you know, use our public institutions to cycle the system back into sanity. And what your listeners can do is um, help us launch these court cases. So I spent about a year trying to find people of high integrity whom I trust, who, are, who don't bullshit me and don't spread this information. And I now have a team of, of five women. So what we did is, um, and also I should say that all these victims have been trying to report these crimes against them to the police, but it seems to be that the police is captured. They have been told by the intelligence agencies to ignore all reports of microwave weapons. Yeah. And um, currently, because of this, the FBI and also the Canadian police and all the European police forces are de facto suspended. If someone attacks you with a microwave weapon, the police does not care. Wow. That's the truth. I, 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 online, I put up what happened to me when I wanted to report a brutal attack in a hotel room in, in the UK. And they didn't even allow me to talk to a police officer. They literally sent me out of the police building telling me, oh, a police officer is going to come and talk to you in your hotel room. Well, they didn't. They waited until they thought I'm in bed, and then they sent a so-called mental health ambulance. Well, I, I put on, I recorded the entire interaction, and if people um, Google on YouTube MI5 crimes, they can find the, my entire interaction with these police officers who had no idea about microwave weapons. You know, they were just sent there. The overall effect was meant to be intimidation theater for me, um, and in the end, I talked to them, and I was trying to explain to them that you know, we have microwave weapons. They cost less than a microwave. You can buy one for $200 you know, dollars off the internet and you can point it at somebody in their home and make them drop dead from a heart attack. Wow. Maybe the police should know, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and you, should, you can see for yourself the faces of these police officers, you know, when I tell them that stuff. Um, so so back to so you got the team of five women and you're gonna and you're exactly so the, the team of five women we are now we've joined because the police are suspended we we um uh, created um, a joint investigation team so that is um a criminal you know investigation team um europe and and us and we are trying to put together information for the police try to help victims and try to cycle the system so but all of these five women are also on the blacklist. And one of the women who's on the blacklist is um, Karen Melton-Stewart, who's an NSA whistleblower. She is uh, more important than Snowden. That's why she's on the blacklist. She is the most important whistleblower because when you listen to her story, you realize that it touches on um, the deep capture in the NSA. She stumbled across the criminals who were 
in the process of capturing the NSA, the last bit of capture that had to be done, to use the NSA entirely for uh, the one bank's purposes, you know. And um, so she is, um, oh, hold on a second, uh, a moment. Um, Oh, forgive me. My laptop is about to die here. That's okay. Uh, That's okay. We're about ready to wrap it up. And anyway, if our listeners want to want to continue the uh, research, where's the best place to uh, follow your work or to yeah, to so, follow you on social media? Yeah, sorry, I saved my laptop. So, um, what um what I want to say is, if you go to stop 7org you will see um it's called support our fighters, and there are these five women, and they're all super special. Um, Karen Melton-Stewart, she worked for 28 years for the NSA. She's the biggest NSA whistleblower. She's the only NSA or the only whistleblower, in fact, in the world who talks about this electromagnetic weapon system. All the others are mute on the topic, even though they know about it. It's that big. Um, Then there's um, Ramola D. She is a journalist, and I think one of the last investigative journalists in this field, you know, talking about the intelligence agencies, she has interviewed everybody of importance. So if you go to a website, it's, it's like, um, it's called everydayconcern.net. You can educate yourself about everything to do with this topic. You know, all the interviews with all the people, victims, um, intelligence agents, it's all on there. Now, Ramola is so important She's being harassed by two helicopters every time she takes her daughter to school. Wow. That's how important she is. We call her our two helicopter general. <laughs> now, that's, you know, it's quite a recognition, you know, to be harassed like that by the CIA. But um, then um, Dr. Millicent Black is also amazing. She is our Navy SEAL, essentially, because she has, she is implanted to the hilt. She is brain linked to one of the super soldiers okay so that's quite something but this guy turns out is a total psychopath um the super soldier program seems to have produced super psychopaths and he is torturing her non-stop talking to to her through this intercom system which is called voice to skull which is this microwave beam you know um chat system and she he is torturing her to death but that's not it uh, that's not all. He's also, it seems to be, controlling the entire town through subliminal messages via the local radio station and much, much more. Right? So there seems to be in her town an entire, you know, mind control experiment happening. She is super, super important. And then Melanie Richan is um, also very interesting. She has, she's also chipped and implanted. Um, she was implanted with a self-growing device that grew into a strangulator, which um, was developed by, I think, one of the universities in Belgium and produced by Motorola, as she found out. So imagine Motorola produces strangulators that grow into your throat, grow around your neck, and then can be remote controlled to strangulate you. That's the, you, you were asking about fancy technology. Now, that's the fancy technology that the um, intelligence agencies are testing. Yeah. Now, she got the advice out of herself. Um, parts are still in her. But she is now, um, you know, working to help the, um, the victims. So what you have, and then the fifth person is, is myself. So what we are doing, if you could 
back us up, we would be so grateful because what we are trying to do is shut down this weapon system so that our politicians can stop World War Three. Otherwise, our politicians will be murdered by this weapon system. Um, and what we're doing right now is because it's so urgent, um, we have launched a, a, what is called the tsunami email campaign. And we are emailing absolutely everybody in the world, everybody who's got a statutory duty to stop terrorism or somehow a charity or, or should act in, in these sort of cases. And we are, we've launched um, at the, um, um, so we've launched at the beginning of April and we're running through April and in May. And um, we are emailing three times per week, um, different countries and different states of the US. And we are emailing them in order of increasing size. So 156 countries and all the 50 states of the US. So our action days are Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday. And on every one of those days, we are contacting two US states and six countries in the world. And um, the idea is that we inform them that um, these crimes against humanity, because this is what they are, with microwave weapons are happening around the world. And we ask them to stop it by the 1st of June, 2017. So we deliver them an ultimatum and it's so important that as many people as possible around the world take part in this because we want to bring home to these um, officials how many people know about it. And every email that is sent is creating a liability for them. Because every person, every official with a statutory duty to fight terrorism and fight crimes against humanity has to do so when informed. So when you send an email to these officials, you have proof that can be used in a court case. If these people don't do anything, you have got enough proof to jail them. So we want to have as many people with this sort of proof that we can then rub into that in their faces. In the next phase, where we um, go to court cases with victims, and we say, why have the officials not stopped these crimes? So that's it. And, and this is what we're doing right now. Behind the scenes, we're also trying to identify victims, identify the technology and what has been done to them and desperately try to um, find out how to help them as quickly as possible. So, um, you know, anybody who could support us would be stopping crimes against humanity, but would also be working towards stopping World War Three. Those are some good ideas. Yeah, good. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, big thanks for coming on the show. Of course, listeners, head over to stop007.org and uh, check out all the stuff over there for how you can help uh, help help along the way. Uh, thanks, thanks again for coming on the show, Catherine. Thank you very, very much for giving the opportunity to, um, to talk to you. I really appreciate it. And thank you very much for, to your listeners as well that they were so patient to listen all yep. the way to the Thank you. Yeah, you did a great job. It was fun, and we'll we'll be in touch. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Take care. Bye bye. And that was a show with Dr. Catherine Horton. Crazy stuff. Yeah, yeah it lines up with all the, the WikiLeaks. You know, it's weird. I think I heard about that maybe by from Richard Serrett in the conspiracy show a few years ago, and it seemed kind of out there. But now, when I listen to her, it doesn't really seem that far out anymore. Funny what a couple of years will, uh, <laughs> a couple of years of podcasting will years do. Of <laughs> and, and, and the climate as well That's right. today. I mean, it's so, it's so much more <clears throat> acceptable now that that might I be think happening. The igloo protects us.
I think so, yeah. 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 I'll have to check when I'm leaving here. I'm going to be looking up for I'm helicopters and here. microwave ray guns. Oh, you're on a list, buddy. <laughs> Guaranteed. I'm on the blacklist. Again, big thanks to Catherine for uh, coming on the show, spending some time with us. Big thanks to you guys for listening. Of course, check out grabamerica.ca slash support uh, for all the different ways you can help us keep having these conversations and not have advertisers. Or yeah, remember what you said? You know, support your favorite people that you trust. That's right. Not the media. Us. Much as you can, if you can. Uh, there's a bunch of different options there. If uh, anything from a buck a month, thirty bucks a month, uh, find something that fits your budget. If you can't uh, afford that, there's a bunch of ways you can help the show that don't cost you a cent, uh, from spam and gram to synchros to uh, rating the show on iTunes and and everything in the show notes. If you check out the show notes, gram has everything in there that you can do to to help the show. And nine out of ten of them are free. And I think you could do probably all of them in like less than five minutes. Leave a message. Right on. At this rate, our voice, each voicemail costs us like a hundred dollars. <laughs> so we'd like to squeeze a few more of those in per year. Uh, I think that's about it, guys. Big thanks for listening. Anything else? No, that's it. Thanks. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Baby.